0: Psalm chapters 8 and 9. Psalm chapter 8 verse 1. To the overseer, on the gittith, a psalm of David, Jehovah our Lord, how honorable thy name in all the earth, who settest thine honor on the heavens. This song is written to the director of music or the chief musician, and it's written for the Gittith, which is a musical instrument that's a stringed instrument. And they think that it came from the town of Gath, which is interesting, because Goliath came from the town of Gath, and David killed Goliath, the giant. And this is definitely written by David. And it's one of the most famous sayings In all of Christendom, O Lord, how honorable is your name. That's the beginning of the song and the main theme of the song. And it says that God sets his honor on the heavens. Now it means the heavens that we see, which is the atmosphere. His honor is all over. The sky is blue, and blue means holiness, and the clouds are white, and white means righteousness. And it represents the honor of the Lord. Two, from the mouths of infants and sucklings thou hast founded strength, because of thine adversaries, to still an enemy and a self avenger. From the mouths of infants and sucklings was quoted in the New Testament by Jesus, and when Jesus said that he was quoting King David in Psalm. When Jesus was being worshipped by the people, the children were even shouting Hosanna and praising Jesus' name. The religious leaders told him, you need to tell the kids to be quiet. And he said, no. Don't you remember the verse that says, by the mouths of infants and sucklings, even babies praise the Lord. The stars praise the Lord, the rocks praise the Lord, and even babies praise the Lord. This is also a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And it says, he avenges himself against his enemies. And the enemies of Jesus are Satan and all of the demons. 3. For I see thy heavens, a work of thy fingers, moon and stars that thou didst establish. And again, he's talking about the earth's atmosphere. And he says, You created the moon and all of the stars. 4. What is man that thou rememberest him, the son of man that thou inspectest him? David says, Why are we so special? that you give us the stars and the moon and all of these things? And why are we so special that you concentrate on us and you look at our hearts and our minds? It's a rhetorical question. We are created in God's image for his glory, and we're given a spirit so that we can choose right from wrong. The animals are not created in his image because they don't have spirits, meaning they don't know right from wrong. They do have a soul, which is their personality, and we also have a soul. But what makes us human is that we have a spirit. David is just saying, why did you put so much into us? 5. And causest him to lack a little of Godhead, and with honor and majesty compassest him. We have a spirit, we're in his image, but we don't have the Godhead. We aren't divine, and that's what David is saying. You made us in your image, but we're not divine yet you have compassed us about with honor and majesty, partly in the form of the stars and all creation which surrounds us. 6. Thou dost cause him to rule over the works of thy hands, all thou hast placed under his feet. David said, you cause us to rule over nature. Now, a lot of people today get this wrong, and they think there's this nine-mountain mandate theology that says that we're supposed to rule over government and art and architecture and television, and God didn't give us rule over man-made institutions. He only gave us rule over nature. It's totally false that we're supposed to be ruling over man-made institutions. That's like trying to be the king of Satan's kingdom. We aren't called to rule over Satan's kingdom. We're called to rule over nature, God's creation on earth. And that is what God has placed under our feet. Nature, his creation on earth. 7. Sheep and oxen, all of them, and also beasts of the field— This is restating what's already been stated, its creation that are under our feet, which is the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of the field, not the art industry or the television industry. A bird of the heavens and fish of the sea passing through the paths of the seas. So we're over the birds and the fish, we're not over government or over education either. 9. Jehovah our Lord, how honorable thy name in all of the earth. He ends the song on the same note that he began it on, which is simply extolling the name of God and saying that he is honorable over the entire planet. He is the one who should be honored by all of us. And that concludes Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. To the overseer, on the death of Laban, a psalm of David... I confess, O Jehovah, with all my heart I recount all thy wonders. This is written for the chief musician, which is the director. It's written by David, and the name of this song is On the Death of Laban, and he starts out saying, I recount all of your wonders, dear Lord. Laban means the son, so this song is about the death of a son, but it can't be about David's son. Because it's a song of rejoicing. So it could be about the death of somebody who David killed. It could be about the death of Goliath, who was a son of Gath, the town. 2. I rejoice and exult in thee. I praise thy name, O Most High. He calls God Most High, because there's nobody higher than God. And he says that he will praise him. 3. In mine enemies turning backward, they stumble and perish from thy face. When the enemies of King David turned back, they turned back from God, because God was with King David. So it's really God who they were afraid of, not David. And that's what David is acknowledging. He isn't saying, oh, I'm so bad, you know, everybody's afraid of me. He's saying, everyone is afraid of the Lord who is with me. For For thou hast done my judgment and my right. Thou hast sat on a throne, a judge of righteousness. See how he extols the Lord as king rather than himself. He knew that he was called to be an earthly king, but he worships the eternal heavenly king. And he talks about the eternal king on the throne who created all of us rather than talking about himself. You know, a lot of kings and leaders make the mistake of thinking that they have power, when really they're just pawns of God. And David knew better. He knew that he couldn't do anything without God causing it to happen. 5. Thou hast rebuked nations. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Their name thou hast blotted out to the age and forever. And the Lord did wipe out all of the Philistines during King David's time, and he had destroyed Egypt, he allowed Egypt to rebuild itself though, but he had destroyed some of the pagan nations. Six, O thou enemy, finished have been destructions forever, as to cities thou hast plucked up, perished hath their memorial with them. David says to all the enemies of the Lord, your cities have been destroyed forever. In David's time, he did take over a lot of pagan land in Canaan for the Israelites. 7. And Jehovah to the age abideth, he is preparing for judgment his throne. The great day of judgment is coming, and the Lord will abide on his throne forever. 8. And he judgeth the world in righteousness, he judgeth the peoples in uprightness. God himself is righteous, that's why he is able to judge us, is because he is perfect. 9. And Jehovah is a tower for the bruised, a tower for times of adversity. Whenever we're injured from attack, and this could be financial injury, emotional injury, social injury of all kinds. Whenever we get injured, we can run to the Lord. He is a tower of refuge in time of adversity. And a tower is a place where you're safe, where nobody can attack you. So we are to run to the Lord. 10. They trust in thee who do not know thy name, for thou hast not forsaken those seeking thee, O Jehovah. Now that's a prophetic statement about Gentiles because the Gentile nations never knew the name of the Lord, and yet they sought him anyway. So this is very prophetic because David wrote this long before Jesus ascended into heaven and the church began, and yet he's prophesying about the future church, which does include a lot of Gentiles. 11. Sing ye praise to Jehovah, inhabiting Zion. Declare ye among the peoples his acts. Zion is where King David established his kingdom. It's within Jerusalem. And Zion is also the place where Jesus will return when he comes back to establish his kingdom on earth during the thousand-year millennial reign. Jerusalem encompasses Zion, and that's always been God's established place where he will set up his holy millennial kingdom. 12. For he who is seeking for blood, them hath remembered. He hath not forgotten the cry of the afflicted. The Lord remembers anyone who wants to commit murder. He knows what's going on. And he also remembers those who are afflicted by the murderous people. God remembers the evil ones and the righteous ones, and he will bring justice to both. 13. Favor me, O Jehovah, see mine affliction by those hating me. Thou who liftest me up from the gates of death. David says, Lord, save me from the people who want to kill me. Save me from the gates of death. 14. So that I can recount all thy praise. In the gates of the daughter of Zion, I rejoice in thy salvation. David says, If you keep me alive, I'll keep praising your name. In the gates of Zion, which is where David's kingdom was set up he would stand in the gates and praise the Lord. And we know he did this because he was a singer, and he shared his music with everybody who he possibly could. So David probably did go to the gate and sing praises to the Lord. I'm sure he did that all the time, because the gate is the town square, and that's where all of the most important transactions take place. So it would make sense that he would want to worship God there, in front of everyone. 15. Sunk have nations in a pit they made, in a net that they hid, hath their foot been captured. So again he's saying, the nations who are against God dig their own hole, and they dig their own grave. And he said they've been captured in their own net. 16. Jehovah hath been known, judgment he hath done, by a work of his hands hath the wicked been snared, meditation, Selah. Since the direction Selah comes after the word meditation, I can see why a lot of people think it means stop and listen. But meditation means stop and listen. So that would be a repeat. And that's why I think Selah is some sort of different musical direction. And David says, Everybody knows who God is. Even those who hate the Lord know who he is. And by the works of the Lord are the wicked captured. 17. The wicked do turn back to Sheol, all nations forgetting God. Anybody who doesn't obey the Lord is eventually going to die. 18. For not forever is the needy forgotten, the hope of the humble lost to the age. The Lord allows us to suffer for a time for His glory, to test our faith, and to be a testimony of His own suffering on our behalf. But we won't suffer forever. We'll either eventually be restored in this life like Job was, or we'll eventually go to heaven and get all of our restoration there, just as Lazarus the poor man was restored in the parable that Jesus taught. 19. Rise, O Jehovah, let not man be strong, let nations be judged before thy face. David is saying, please judge all of the nations, make yourself known among the nations. 20. Appoint, O Jehovah, a director to them. Let nations know they are men. Selah. When he says appoint a director, I don't think he's asking for a king for all of the nations. He's not asking for a one world order because the Bible consistently talks about the sovereignty of all nations and that God made multiple nations for a reason. He didn't intend that all of us would be under one nation. However, It says, give them a director and let them know that they are men. How could a human king remind us that we're men? I think this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one who teaches us that we're human and we're not God because he is a God. And I think King David is prophetically asking for a savior for the world. And that concludes Psalm chapter 9.